Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. We're thankful to have you with us here on the program this morning. This is Elder David Wise here with you, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. And we're happy to share time on the program with our dear friends at Sulphur Springs Church and their pastor, Joe Nettles from Caledonia, Mississippi. We would invite you to come worship with us, whether you're in Ackerman or in Caledonia. We worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And we also have a joint combined worship service in Starkville, Mississippi at the Lakita Inn on Highway 12, 6 p.m. every Wednesday night. So we'd love to see you in worship. You can go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com to find a church that may be closer to you and to see a more cumulative church directory of primitive Baptist churches across the country. And we would love to hear from you. I would advise you to contact us and send us an email and you can find our email address on that website. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know that you're out there and that you're benefiting from our efforts here on the program. This morning, we would like to continue our thoughts from the model prayer, so you can be turning to Matthew chapter 6 as we look once again at the model prayer for the disciples as given us by Jesus Christ there on the Sermon on the Mount. So we hope you can stay tuned with us here on the program, and we'll bring that message to you right after this hymn. invite you to turn back with us to Matthew chapter 6. We would like to continue to think together on the model prayer. Lord, teach us to pray as we consider from the gospel of Luke, the request of the disciples, teach them to pray. And he gave them the model disciples prayer for the manner in which they ought to petition the Lord in prayer. And we want to continue to think about that together. So Matthew chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this morning, we would like to consider, give us this day our 
our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We've seen this introduction to this model disciples prayer, calling upon God as our heavenly father, remembering that he's in heaven and we're up on the earth, hallowing and exalting and praising his name. So we approach God first and foremost in prayer with praise and exaltation. And then we pray for God's kingdom, pray for the growth and the advancement of God's church and the kingdom of heaven here in this world. And we submit to God's will, that God's will would be done in earth as it is in heaven. So after we have approached the throne of grace with the proper posture, with the proper disposition of praise and worship, and we submitted to the will of God, only after we have prayed for God's will to be done, do we arrive at personal petitions. The first of those personal petitions being, give us this day our daily bread. So what we're praying for there is for God to give us what we stand in need of on a daily basis. We need to be reminded of the fact that God knows what we truly stand in need of every single day. Not just what we want, but what we need. And essentially what we're praying here is, Lord, just give me what I stand in need of today. It's not just about food. It's not just about bread. It's about, Lord, you giving me the appropriate grace sufficient that I stand in need of in every activity and every circumstance of my life that I'm going to engage in today. You see, God gives us what we stand in need today, and we have to trust him in faith that he's going to give us what we need tomorrow. Think about the Israelites in the Old Testament. God brought them out of Egypt, and because of their disobedience, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But God gave them manna from heaven. He provided for their needs. He provided for their appropriate nutritional value in manna. It's really amazing to think about manna in that way, how God gave them one food, but it gave them a totally balanced diet where they weren't all having an iron deficiency or a sodium deficiency or something like that. No, it was a perfectly balanced meal because God gave it to them. But you, if you remember the story, they could go and they'd pick up manna, but they just got enough manna for that day. Otherwise, the manna would spoil if you tried to get two days worth, all except for on the sixth day where you did get two days worth. So you could get extra only according to the commandment of God to provide for your needs on the Sabbath where you didn't collect manna on the Sabbath. But that manna, you know, at the end of the day, they were out. At the end of the day, they were in the middle of a wilderness, in the middle of the desert, and millions of people had nothing to eat. And then every single day, they had to rely on God to give them manna and to give them what they stood in need of that day. And that's a great example for how we need to live by faith. Lord, give us what we stand in need of today. Because it's not just about our natural food. It's about every circumstance of life. Lord, give me what I stand in need of today. Give me that manna from heaven today. And I know I can't store up all that extra for me today. Instead, I have to live by faith, trusting God. You know, we think about Elijah when he gave that commandment to King Ahab that it was not going to rain. And then he went to the brook and the ravens provided for him, but then the brook dried up. Then he made his way to a widow's house and he asked that widow and the widow and her son to give them their last meal. In other words, you just give me your daily bread. And it just turns out that this was their last day's meal. That widow there to give me what I stand in need of and that beautiful story of God's 
providence and provision, the Word of God tells us that their barrel of meal and their cruise of oil didn't waste the entire time of that drought, probably a few years worth. They didn't have an abundance. They didn't have extra. They were in the middle of this really severe drought. Probably people were dying all around them that didn't have this extraordinary, miraculous provision. They didn't have any extra per se, but they did have just enough daily bread for that day. And I tend to think that God didn't put enough crews in that oil for a week. I think he gave just enough crews in that oil to where they dipped it out and it was empty at the end of the day. And just like with that manna, the Israelites in the wilderness, when they dipped it back out the next day, God provided for them again. But at the end of every day, they had to pray to God in faith, give us this day our daily bread. And guess what? God gave their daily bread the next day for that one day, you see? And I think that's a great picture of not, again, just natural food, but spiritual food in our walk of discipleship, how God gives us exactly what we stand in need of every day. And if we trust God in faith and pray this prayer every morning like we ought to, Lord, give me what I need today. Give me this day my daily bread. I believe just like Elijah and that widow and her son, God will sustain your spiritual meal and your spiritual oil, if you'll let me use that terminology. He will sustain you in a providential way, even if you don't know how he'll do that in the moment. So that's why we need to pray in that way. Lord, give me what I stand in need of today. In Proverbs chapter 30, this is actually the words of Agur, whereas most of the Proverbs, all except for the 30th and the 31st chapter, are the wise words of Solomon. These are the words of Agur, the son of Jekai, and he gives uh, some wise counsel to us as well. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 to 9, he says, Two things have I required of thee. What are his two petitions of God? Deny me not them before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. And notice his perspective here. Give me neither poverty nor riches. And notice this language. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. In other words, Lord, give me what I need but Lord, don't give me anything more than I need. Lord, remove me from poverty or, va- or riches. Lord, just give me what I need because I know myself. I know my vanity. I know my sinfulness. And if I get too full, if I get too self-sufficient and I look in the pantry and feel like I have enough food for a month, for a year, you know that man that Jesus described in his parable who had barns and he said, you know what? Look, look at all the stuff I have. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns. And he says, be careful because that man's soul is going to be required of him that night. You see, when we have too much, we feel self-sufficient. And I'll tell you, there are way too many self-sufficient Laodicean Christians in America because we feel that we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And I'll tell you, that's a very real peril for God's people. Very rarely have God's people dealt very well with prosperity. We never do well with prosperity. We always make mistakes when we have too much. And Agur was mindful of that. He said, Lord, don't give me too much. Don't make me full because I know my nature is to deny the Lord and say, who is the Lord? Instead of saying, praise God for what he's given us. Instead, I know I'm going to get too self-sufficient. So Lord, don't give me too much, but also don't bless me to live like a total beggar, lest I be poor and feel like I have to steal 
and take the name of my God in vain. You know, you've probably heard the story of La Miserat, of the man that stole the loaf of bread and ended up going to prison for that. And then at later times in the story became a very prominent highfalutin person. You know, there are people that don't have enough to eat and they are tempted to steal from people. And he says, I don't want to be so poor, feel like I can't provide for my family that I feel like I have to lust to do something that's sinful. No, Lord, give me enough to provide for my family. But I tell you, this is a prayer we probably all need to pray. Lord, don't give me too much. Lord, don't give me too much. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Because it's very easy for us to feel self-sufficient when we have enough and we have abundance. And that is the history of God's people all throughout time. So bless me, Lord, to just give me what I stand in need of. And as he says there in verse eight, feed me with food convenient for me. And I'll tell you, the level of convenience of food is different for everyone. There's some people that can't handle abundance. There's some people that can't handle riches. There's some people that can't handle that, but there's other people that can. They can use what God has given them in a very honorable way and keep extras to help others. There are people that have that kind of financial prudence, but there are other people who just can't handle it. And God knows if you're one of those people that can't handle it, and we need to pray this same prayer. Lord, feed me with food convenient for me. Don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. Lord, give me exactly what I need. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Give me what you prescribe for me according to your will. Back in Matthew chapter 6, we are told in the model prayer, and the model disciples prayer, to pray for our daily bread. And I think it's important that we should have just prayed that prayer at, earlier on in Matthew chapter 6. And we arrive at verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, where he tells the apostles, Take no thought for your life or what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your own body, for what you shall put on for is not life more than meat and the body than raiment. He goes on to say, Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, they reap not, but God provides for them. Consider the lilies of the field, verse 28, they grow and they torn not to spin, but Solomon in all of his glory is still not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we drink, or what shall we eat? Wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of all these things. And then we know these verses very well in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, think about what he just said there. He's essentially saying, trust me for your provision. Well, you know what? If we've woke up in the morning, remember, we need to have the Lord hear our prayer early in the morning. We see that in the Psalms and many other places in the scriptures. We need to pray early in the morning. So if we begin our day with prayer saying, give us this day our daily bread, well, we don't need to spend the rest of our day worrying about our daily bread, do we? And by the way, if you've also put the kingdom of God first and foremost in your prayers in the manner that you ought to following the model prayer, then you are seeking the kingdom of God first. That's what he says in verse 33, isn't it? Seek you first the kingdom of God. God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So if we pray like we ought to, if we pray the model prayer in the manner that we ought to early in the morning, 
We're putting God's kingdom first. We're submitting to God's will. We're submitting for God to give us our daily bread. Well, there's no need to go around the rest of the day if you prayed your prayers right, worrying about where God's gonna give you your daily bread. No, we trust God, right? We trust God to provide for our daily needs. He says, don't take any thought. That doesn't mean that you don't think through, you know, God is gonna use your decision-making most likely to purchase food or to make a business decision or to sell something to provide... It doesn't mean you don't think about things. It means don't be worried. Don't be full of anxiety and fear about how you're going to provide for food and drink and raiment. No, pray like you ought to. Put the kingdom of God first and foremost. Pray for God to give you your daily bread and then trust God in faith because God knows the things that you stand in need of and he's going to give us everything that we stand in need of. Continuing on in the Sermon on the Mount, into chapter seven, he says in verse seven, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And he says, if a man's son asks bread, is he going to give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them that ask him? So when we pray to God to provide for our needs, we need to trust that our Heavenly Father is going to provide for those needs, shouldn't we? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we trust God in faith knowing that he will provide for our needs. And that should give us a peace and an assurance on a daily basis when we've prayed like we ought to in the morning. We pray in the morning, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. That's not a prayer you need to pray right when you're going to bed, is it? No, because that's not petitioning God to provide for your daily bread. You've already got your daily bread, okay? So that's a prayer we certainly need to be praying early in the morning. But then we need to trust God in faith to answer our prayer because he knows what we stand in need of. The next phrase here on the model disciples prayer is to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I'll tell you, that's a scary prayer to pray. That can be a scary prayer to pray because many of us can be very unforgiving. Many of us can be very harsh in holding grudges and holding things over certain people's head. And do you really want God to treat you in the same way you treat other people by way of forgiveness? So if you are harsh and unforgiving toward others, are you sure you want to pray that God will treat you the exact same way that you treat others? Well, if you aren't comfortable with God treating you the same way you treat others, then that means you need to repent and be more forgiving of others. Based on what? The reason why we forgive others is because God has forgiven us. We have to meditate on God's forgiveness of us as we follow God's commandment to forgive others. So we'll come back to that in just a minute, but I want to highlight that the only thing here in the model prayer that Jesus gives further explanation on is forgiveness, okay? So after he concludes the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6 from verses 9 to 13, he then gives a further explanation of forgiveness in verses 14 to 15 in the verses immediately after concluding the model prayer. So what did he say in this further explanation? If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So the first thing we have to understand is that this is not talking about heaven. This is not saying that if you do not forgive your brother that has offended you, that God's going to cast you into hell. No, God is simply going to allow you to reap what you sow. If you sow unforgiveness, if you sow harshness, if you sow bitterness against people that have wronged you, then God is going to remove a degree of assurance from you because of how harsh you're being to other people. We don't have time to really consider this whole parable in context, but in Matthew chapter 18, we see this parable of a man that has been given forgiven a great debt. And by the way, we never need to forget when we are reading this parable exactly where Jesus gives us this in the context. Really, the whole chapter is talking about offenses, even going back to verse 6. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. The context is offenses. Then he goes on from verses 15 to 20 to describe how we ought to reconcile offenses in the church. Okay, So if a brother offends you, then you don't go tell somebody else about it. You don't go gossip about it. You don't go tell some third party and start some rumor. No, if someone offends you, you go directly to that person and have an honest upfront discussion about the offense. Well, you know what? If they don't listen to you, you need to bring two or three people with you. If they won't listen to that group, you bring it before the church. The church decides in regards to the severity of the situation and the course of action. And if they rebuke them and they still decide to not listen and repent and apologize, then you have a degree of separation of fellowship. Let him be unto you as a heathen or a publican. So in the immediate aftermath of Jesus giving a principle for how you deal with offenses, offenses are inevitable, okay? We're gonna have offenses and therefore we have to learn how to forgive. So in the aftermath of saying, this is how you deal with offenses in general, but in the church in particular. Now Peter goes to Jesus and says, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Peter was actually being very generous by offering seven times forgiveness because the Pharisaical Jews in this time had taken a couple verses in the Old Testament out of context and said, you got three or four chances and on that fourth try, you have the right to enact vengeance. So you can only offend me three times. And on that fourth one, based on some misinterpretation, I think it's some verses in the book of Amos, but some misinterpretation of some Old Testament scriptures, they said after three times on that fourth one, I'm going to come get you, okay? But he's actually being very generous when he says seven times. But then Jesus says until 70 times seven, which means you forgive perpetually. So he gives this parable about a man that owes a great debt, 10,000 talents, about $15 million based on varying currency rates. Just for context and for perspective's sake, let's just say he owed $15 million. And this Lord forgives him when he bows down and says, Lord, have patience with me. I'll pay you all. And he's moved with compassion. This is verse 27 of Matthew 18. The Lord was filled with compassion or love and he forgave him and loosed him and forgave the whole debt. But then that same servant went out and he found someone that owed him 100 pence, which is maybe $15. So he had $15 million that he could never pay. And then instead of him being gracious and being forgiven to someone else, he, by comparison, finds someone that owes almost nothing by comparison, just pennies on the dollar. And he throws him in prison and makes him pay the debt. But then the servants find out about the wicked, unfaithful servant. They tell the Lord that was originally owed the 10,000 talents, 
and then he throws him into prison because he was ungrateful. So the summary of this in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 35, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also to you if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother trespasses. And I want you to also notice this little bitty phrase here, if ye from your heart forgive them. You know, we can say the right things in the right context sometimes, but still harbor some resentment in our heart. No, forgiveness has to go down to the heart, okay? Forgiveness has to go down to the soul. We can't just have some external pretense of forgiveness. No, it has to be authentic, okay? It has to be from the heart. And if you think that's hard, and forgiveness is hard, okay? Let's just be real. Forgiveness is hard. Why? Because we've been legitimately offended. Essentially, what forgiveness is, is saying, I'm going to pay their debt, okay? They legitimately offended me. They have a legitimate debt against me, but instead of me enacting that debt against them, I'm going to choose to pay that debt, write it off in my mind, and forgive them. So, you are always shortchanged when you forgive someone, okay? Because you're literally paying their debt. They owe you, and you're choosing to write off that debt. Now, why do we do that? You know, it'd be very easy to say, this person had to, has offended me in a very deep way and not just a verbal offense. We're talking about adultery. We're talking about fornication. We're talking about stealing a precious possession. I mean, we're talking about real offenses here. This is not just talking about someone saying something rude off the cuff, okay? We're talking about real offenses. How do you forgive someone that's done that? The only way that you can forgive someone that's offended you in such a radical way is to remember the radical radical, amazing, unconditional love and forgiveness that God has given us for Christ's sake. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why should I forgive the person that's offended me? Why should I forgive someone else? This is why, even as God for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. It'd be very easy to look at someone and say, you know what, they don't deserve forgiveness. And I'll tell you, 99% of the time, there's a high probability they don't, okay? 99% of the time, the majority of the time, that person doesn't deserve forgiveness because if they deserve forgiveness, you wouldn't really have to forgive them. Okay, If they deserved it, then they have likely made full restitution for their offense. If you're forgiving someone, it's almost guaranteed they don't deserve it. So why should I forgive someone that doesn't deserve it? Because you think about the fact of your 10,000 talents of debt sin that God forgave you, not because you were worth it, because you wouldn't worth it. Okay, you are a totally depraved, wretched sinner in your nature. And there is nothing about us that God should save us or God should forgive us. But why did God do that? He didn't do it for you. He didn't do it because you deserved it. He didn't do it because you were worthy. Why did God forgive you of your sins? Because of Jesus Christ's sake because of his penalty for your debt. Do you understand that? The reason why God forgave you is because Jesus paid your debt. So therefore, you should look at Jesus' debt that he paid for you, and on your ledger book, if someone owes you something, you say, I'm gonna forgive them for Christ's sake. I'm gonna pay their debt for Christ's sake in the same way that Christ paid my debt that I couldn't pay when I was 10,000 talents in debt. And I tell you, there are some egregious offenses here in this world that we have to forgive people for, but at the end of the day, they are nothing more than 100 pence, $15 debts compared to the 10,000, $15 million debt 
that we owe against God because of our sin. And I'll tell you, I'm not belittling any circumstance where you have to forgive someone, but I can tell you in the big scheme of things, it is nothing compared to the cost that Jesus Christ paid for your sins on the cross. So we need to be loving and forgiving and gracious toward others to where we can boldly and confidently pray this way. Because how are we told to pray? Lord, treat me just like I treat others. Lord, forgive me the same way that I forgive others. And if you harbor resentment and a grudge and wanting to exact vengeance upon your enemies, then that is a scary, scary prayer to pray because God's going to treat you the same way. He's not going to be as gracious and forgiving and loving to you in an experiential sense in the manner that he ought to if you would forgive others. So let us pray for God to forgive us as we forgive our debtors. During our next message, we'd like to conclude our thoughts on the model prayer. Hope you can return with us during that time. Until then, we pray God will richly bless you in your prayers and in your discipleship. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.